Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, we made it to the end of week 12 almost, Thanksgiving week in America. Uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Uh, yes, I did. Thank you for asking. It was a good Thanksgiving, good Sunday game of football, or week of football, really, but it was a really weird day yesterday i don't think there's ever been a day where i've spent so much time on twitter searching for if this guy was injured or benched and all i could find is people wondering why he's not on the field so uh, we'll talk about plenty of that throughout the show today though <laughs> yeah it's uh it's always a fun week in the nfl and yeah this week left us uh no love, gave us more surprises as usual as we could expect but yeah like you said we'll go over some of the uh the top takeaways here from week 12 and and again not necessarily going game by game or anything like that but focusing on the top takeaways from this weekend's game and nate has all of the game by game recaps up on pff.com that people can check out for free as well if there is anything that we don't cover today that people are hoping to hear about um i can assure you it will be up on the website um nate's got you covered so yeah let's get into it and before we do just a quick shout out from our presenting sponsor fabric by gerber life Fall is all about the back-to-school and back-to-routine checklist, and the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate, let's get it rolling here and start with the RB1 of the week, the return of Kyron Williams to the Los Angeles Rams lineup. He goes for 200 all-purpose yards, uh, over 200 all-purpose yards, two receiving touchdowns, helping the Rams blow out the Cardinals and hopefully helping fantasy managers blow out their competition for the week as well. Nate, what did Kyron Williams' role look like in his return? Uh, yeah, it was good to see him back. It was pretty clear at the start of the week that uh, he was going to play. They were, Sean McVay was very clear about it. So generally, it's a good sign when they know at the beginning of the week that someone coming off injured reserve is good to go. But they also seem pretty clear that uh, before his injury, he was playing close to 100% of snaps a lot of the time. And they were like, we can't give a running back over 70 offensive snaps in the year 2023. So <laughs> they also knew they had to rotate him out a little bit more. Um, he did play 29 of a possible 40 snaps in the first half, so that was fairly good to see. Obviously not as much as he was doing before, but that's still very good for a running back to see. Close to 75% of offensive snaps. Uh, Royce Freeman was the other one seeing snaps. It was mostly um, the third drive for the Rams where they had a lot of plays where Freeman was on the field, and then it was just a random snap here and there, but they had six drives in the first half, so that was good to see. Um, at that point, the Rams were up. Uh, by a bit, uh, 21 to 8 at halftime, I believe. So Williams was already having a great game at that point. 14 touches, 120 yards, a touchdown. Um, he only played 50% of the snaps in the second half with the starters, splitting time with Royce Freeman. 
Um, I'm guessing part of that is the Rams were just running so many plays and then they were also ahead. So they didn't need Williams as much. So that made sense to me. And then they, at the very end of the game, ran three plays with backups in. Zach Evans was in for those three snaps. So uh, great to see in general. I think you can pretty confidently put Williams back in your fantasy starting lineups. I know it's kind of a mixed bag of uh, opponents that they have coming up. Some of them pretty difficult opponents, some of them uh, fairly easy opponents. So I think even though they have some tough opponents ahead, I'm still putting Williams in my lineup there. I wouldn't be surprised if he could see even a higher percentage of offensive snaps in some of those games where it's a bit more competitive. But I think if they get far ahead like they did in this game or if they fall far behind in a game, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit more Royce Freeman uh, to keep Kyron Williams a little pressure. Yeah, it makes sense, right? And, and like you said, he he'd been playing a ton previous to the to the stint on IR. He hadn't played less than like sixty seven percent of the offensive snaps for for most of that time, and dipped to like I think sixty one percent this week. But like you said, it kind of expected coming off injured reserve, and and obviously you know wanting to keep him healthy because he's been so explosive when he's out there. And then this is what we've kind of been waiting for, you know, that that committee approach between. Daryl Henderson and, and Royce Freeman wasn't really getting it done for fantasy purposes. Henderson had a couple nice games in there, but obviously seeing um, Kyron Williams dominate the touches here is exactly what we're looking for. He's got that explosiveness too. So, um, and, and efficiency. So that's been very nice for fantasy purposes and good to have him back. So, um, all right, let's move to another returning running back and one who was not nearly as dominant as Kyron Williams, of course, but his return is noteworthy nonetheless because uh, we've been relying on Devin Singletary in fantasy lineups for a couple of weeks now. So, Nate, obviously um, Devin Singletary wasn't overly productive as a rusher today. Damian Pierce returns to the lineup here for the Houston Texans. So how much did uh, Pierce affect his uh, uh, Singletary's opportunities this week? Um, it had a pretty significant change of how the Texans de decided to deploy their running backs. Uh, we had seen at various points in the season different players taking the third down and passing down role for Houston. Devin Singletary was doing that at times, but especially recently it had been Mike Boone with Boone taking third downs and two-minute drills and Singletary taking the early down snaps. And even before that, it was Singletary and Pierce splitting time on early downs with Boone taking the third downs and two-minute drill snaps. But in this game, Boone was a healthy and active for the game. So it was pretty clear that uh, they were planning on having Singletary get a lot more involved on passing down. So they still wanted Singletary very involved in the offense, just potentially in a slightly different role. So that happened. He took all of the third down snaps, almost all of the two-minute drill snaps, and was still taking the majority of the early down snaps. Uh, Singletary started the game and played every snap on the Texans' first two drives. Uh, Pierce's playing time largely came in uh, stretches in the game. Uh, end of the first quarter, he played a couple snaps. Uh, late in the third quarter, he played a couple. And then middle of the fourth quarter, he played a couple. And that basically made up his entire amount of playing time in this game. Uh, despite that, they were still fairly similar in terms of rushing production. Singletary ran six times for 18 yards, Pierce five times for 14 yards, but then Singletary uh, had six receptions for 54 yards. So Singletary by far the better fantasy back for this one, even though it wasn't a great game, mostly because neither of them scored a touchdown. But it seems like going forward, Singletary should be a pretty safe player to keep in fantasy lineups because either Houston will be ahead in games and running the ball a lot and both players will probably see plenty of carries in that situation or it'll be a game like this where they need to pass the ball a lot and then Singletary should be involved in the passing game a bit so 
I think Singletary is safe to start with Pierce. I would at least hold on to him for one more week just in case this was a kind of ramp up Pierce's production again because there's certainly opportunity for Pierce to get more involved in the offense. Singletary played a very high percentage of offensive snaps in this game, so I could definitely see it possible that early downs goes back to being more of a 50-50 split rather than Singletary dominating like he did in this one, but Singletary still getting all of the third down work and two-minute drill work and half of the early down snaps, which still should should make Singletary a starter, but would at least hold on to Pierce just in case his role increases compared to today. Yeah, it was definitely nice, at least for, for Singletary, like you said, kind of going forward if it this usage does remain the same because 82% of the offensive snaps was about what we were seeing the past couple of weeks without Pierce in the lineup too. So um, last time we saw Pierce in the lineup before he was injured, it was pretty close playing time um, between the two. They were both around 50% um, or just under that um, for each of them. So yeah, uh, it's definitely possible Pierce just being eased in as well, just 18% of the, the offensive snaps. So there's, like you said, room for him to, to kind of get more involved. So something to be aware of there for sure. Um, all right, next up, the Indianapolis Colts coming off a of bye week and uh, give us a very nice Jonathan Taylor game where he was able to run for 91 yards and two touchdowns. But there's there's always a but in there because we can't live in total comfort. Zach Moss was on the field quite a bit, Nate. So what did those uh, Colts backfield splits look like uh, this week? Uh, yeah, we basically went back to what we were seeing a couple weeks ago. Um, when Taylor came back in week five, he barely saw any snaps, and then he just slowly but surely took more and more of the playing time. It was a pretty linear progression of his increase in snaps to over 80% in their last game, and that was before their bye week this past week. So they seem to have made the decision they want to go back to a little bit more of a split. Um, Taylor took 12 of the first 13 snaps in the game over the first two drives. Then Moss took 12 of the next 13 snaps over the following two drives. Um, then we went back to a little bit more of a traditional just rotation by drive. Taylor taking the fifth drive, the seventh drive, Moss taking the uh, sixth and eighth drive. But then once we got to the fourth quarter um, in a close game, the Colts relied again on Taylor taking 12 of the 15 snaps in the fourth quarter over the course of three drives. So we did see Taylor play more than 50% of the snaps in this game, largely because of what happened in the fourth quarter and it being a close game. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a game where the Colts have a little bit more comfortable of a lead or um, if they're behind, I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor's playing more, but probably more if they have a lead. I could see this being a fairly split backfield between the two players. So a little bit concerning. Taylor did put up some great numbers, scored two touchdowns. So his fantasy managers were perfectly happy with him in this game. And you're still starting Taylor. He just might not be a top five fantasy running back going forward if they continue this split. But that being said, I'm doing my rest of season rankings later today. And I'm not really sure who you can put in the top five running backs at this point with uh, Travis Etienne got there, but his playing time has been lower these past three weeks. Uh, Kenneth Walker reached that point where he seemed like a top five fantasy running back and he's been injured. So I'm not really sure who comprises the top five anymore outside of uh, Christian McCaffrey being number one, but it's kind of disappointing that Taylor didn't see as much playing time in this one when I believe I had him ranked number two at running back this week and thought he'd be pretty high over the rest of the season. Yeah, it, it was one of those ones where, yeah, he had played a season high, I think 89% of snaps before their bye week. And, and like you said, it's almost like the team 
took the bye week, realized that, oh yeah, it's 2023. We can't have running backs playing that much. Um, so they, they split that time down. Uh, hopefully, you know, we see Taylor continue to stay heavily involved as far as touches go going forward. And, and yeah, if he could get those touchdowns, that definitely helps us as well. But uh, yeah, definitely a, a bit of a concern there that Zach Moss working in so much. Um, all right. How about another top running back who also ran for 91 yards and scored a couple of touchdowns this week? Uh, the rookie eighth overall pick, Bijan Robinson, takes two receptions to the house. But just like with the Colts, there's always a but because uh, Tyler Algier and Cor Cordero Patterson also reared their heads in there and were also heavily involved. So what did the Falcons backfield look like here in week 12? Uh, yeah, with the Falcons, there's always a but with everything that they're doing on <laughs> offense. But uh, this one, uh, we saw Cordero Patterson get a little bit more involved in the offense than we've seen in past weeks. Um, he uh, missed the start of the season, and they were being pretty cautious about bringing him back. But once he was back, uh, started getting a little bit more involved over time. But a lot of it was as a receiver, um, obviously one of the best returners that we've ever seen in the NFL. But in terms of offensive play, he spent some time at wide receiver in his career, some time at running back, particularly with Atlanta. So he had kind of been splitting his role. A lot of his offensive snaps, there were two running backs on the field in general. And most of the games, he's been playing more snaps lined up either out wide or in the slot compared to at running back. But we saw him line up more at running back in this game. We saw him line up more at running back without any other running back on the field in this game compared to some other games. And he was getting the ball more often. He ran the ball eight times for 43 yards. So um was a little bit surprising to see him get as involved in the offense when the other running backs were also playing perfectly well. All three running backs averaged between 5.4 and 6.4 yards per carry. So in general, it was a good game for the run game in general. This Felt like kind of what we expected at the start of the season for them in the run game. Just a lot of running, a lot of rotation at running back with Bijan Robinson still getting the majority of the work, but it still wasn't as much work as some Robinson owners or managers would hope for. But I think the good thing to note is there's only really five more weeks left in the fantasy season, and the Falcons have one of the best schedules remaining. They, um, the only team that they're facing that has a better record than four and seven is the Indianapolis Colts and they're just over 500. So that should be a competitive game. But outside of that, these are a lot of games where the Falcons, even though they have a losing record, they should be winning most of their games going forward, or at least be competitive. Mm -hmm. And they should be games where the Falcons should be able to run the ball as much as they want. So even if we do see a rotation like this, where Patterson still getting involved and Tyler Algier is still getting involved. Bijan Robinson should still be clearing at least double digit rushing attempts in games. And ideally he's getting that goal line work, even though they didn't really have goal line situations in this game. Yeah, like you said, hopefully getting the goal line work. It's more, I guess, just like an annoyance more than anything, right, with this Atlanta backfield. Because we know when he gets those touches, he has the the opportunity to rip them off for a touchdown. But it's it's the opportunity around the goal line if he's going to be on the field, if it's his turn for the rotation or not, and, and getting those opportunities to score near the goal line, that's going to be kind of the frustrating part, right, Tyler? We've seen Tyler Algier mix in there before and now potentially Cordell Patterson um, as well. So something to keep in mind. But like you said, nice schedule kind of going forward here. So hopefully they get lots of opportunity for Bijan to run the ball. Um, 
All right, let's wrap up the running backs on a more positive note. And where the one that the only but here is is probably head coach Bill Belichick. And uh, if he wants to pull the rug out from under us at some point. Um, but for now, we could be very happy that Ramondre Stevenson's season is back on, Nate. Ah, uh, Yeah, he's been seeing an increase in snaps each of the past couple weeks, which has been good to see. Um, basically, all season long, they've been rotating their running backs by drive. Um, then Stevenson would be the third down back, regardless of whose drive it was. Um, and the middle of the season, or kind of early middle parts of the season, we saw the team start to get more comfortable with Elliott on third down. So it became more of a true rotation by drive, more of a 50-50 kind of situation. But these past few weeks, they've kind of gone back to Stevenson being the clear third down back. And it was good to see his usage in this game. He's received over 20 carries each of the past two games. And it's been a situation where once it's Elliott's drive, if the drive is lasting more than four or so plays, then Stevenson will come back on the field. They don't want Elliott on the field for too many plays in a row. And then they were also perfectly fine giving Stevenson two consecutive drives if it meant Stevenson being on the field for a two-minute drill. So even though it was a rotation by drive, it was a rotation by drive where Stevenson got the third down snaps, Stevenson got the snaps at the drive was lasting too long, and Stevenson got the snaps in two-minute drills regardless of if it was supposed to be his turn for a drive or not. So uh, that drove his playing time over 75% of offensive snaps for the first time this season. Um, still saw more snaps in games at times last year, but this was still good to see, and he was running the ball a ton. So uh, even though the Patriots' offense has generally been a mess and they don't know who's going to be their quarterback going forward and all the other drama, at least Stevenson has been a pretty consistent part of that offense currently, and as long as it's not a game where the Patriots are going to get completely blown out, uh, perfectly happy to have Stevenson in the lineup. Yeah, hopefully it's it's one of those situations where Bill feel, feels like they got bigger fish to fry and they're focused on on you know figuring out the quarterback situation, like you said, and and maybe potentially that wide receiver situation, which we'll talk about in, in a bit, I'm sure. But yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, there's at least telling signs there that we can trust it, right? Like you said, in in the steadily increase in in his workload, taking more of the receiving down from Zeke, so helps feel more secure and that he'll be able to keep that going. But obviously with the Patriots, we just have our guard up and, and, and willing to, to, you know, keep an eye on that for the rest of the season here. Um, all right, let's do a quick uh, ad break here from DraftKings. Who are the pretenders? Who are the contenders? We're more than halfway through the NFL season, but DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. So, Nate, uh, any picks here for, for Monday night football that you're feeling good about from uh, our friends at DraftKings? Oh, yeah. The one that I'm going with is Roshan Johnson, over 6.5 receiving yards. Uh, this is a game where I expect Minnesota to be winning, so Chicago playing from behind, doing a lot of passing the ball. Uh, Johnson has fairly consistently been the third down back and passing down back for Chicago, and then Deontay Foreman is not expected to play in this game tonight, so that turns the Bears' three-man committee into a two-man committee, so I think we should see a decent amount of Roshan Johnson at least being on the field in this game. 
Uh, even though he's been the receiving back, he's never been hugely involved in the passing game, only a catch or two each game. But I think this is a game where he's more likely to have one or two catches compared to the few where he didn't catch a pass. So I think 6.5 yards is something he can accomplish. And the Vikings defense have been right in the middle of the pack in terms of allowing receiving yards to running back this season. So I think it's a fine enough matchup for Johnson to at least catch a pass or two to get to 6.5 receiving yards. I like it. Um, yeah, I guess I'm also betting uh, on the Bears a little bit here, um, which we'll, we'll see how that turns out. But I'm going to go with DJ Moore uh, getting an anytime touchdown here is a plus 170 uh, on DraftKings. Has six touchdowns in seven games with Justin Fields at quarterback. So uh, we'll see. Uh, going with my gut here a, a little bit uh, on, on this game. Like you said, I think the Bears are, are going to have to pass the ball a little bit more. And there is really only one wide receiver to trust uh, in Chicago. So DJ Moore going to get in the end zone for us this week against the Vikings who have allowed uh, 10 touchdowns to wide receivers uh, which is about league average here but um dj moore is the 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 one guy i trust in that offense uh, on a weekly basis so hopefully he doesn't let me down um and you can get in on the nfl action with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl download the app now and use code pff new customers can bet just five dollars on anything to get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings sportsbook with code pff the crown is yours Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles. Uh, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay. Wide receiver time it is. Uh, and we'll start with the same team we started with the, the the running backs, the Los Angeles Rams, where it wasn't Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua leading the way in terms of receiving, receiving yards this week, but old Tutu Atwell popping off for 76 yards on a couple big plays. So, Nate, any kind of usage that we can trust here going forward with the Rams' third wide receiver? Is not. So this is one of those situations where I wasn't sure what happened to Atwell. I was responding to people wondering if he played at all in the second half. And this is a situation where uh, Sean McVay, throughout his time in Los Angeles, has been one of the teams that uses 11 personnel more than most teams. And when they're happy with their wide receivers, it's the same three wide receivers seeing almost all of the playing time. But they have been known at times to have kind of a rotation at the third wide receiver spot. It was something that I was kind of worried about once Cooper Cup came back with Van Jefferson, but then Van Jefferson was traded. But now it's been Atwell and Demarcus Robinson. Um, Atwell at times was playing close to 100% of snaps this season, but there were also games where they were rotating him out a little bit here and there. Uh, it hasn't typically been Robinson that he's been rotated out with, but we saw Atwell uh, play early in the game, but was already getting rotated out with Robinson uh, fairly early. This was a near even split in the first half with them splitting just drive by drive out while getting the first drive, Robinson getting the second drive and so on. And then Robinson took more of the snaps in the second half. Um, they kind of split snaps on the first two drives of the half. And then once the fourth quarter hit and the Rams had a large lead, it was really all of the wide receivers that got substituted out. Uh, Cooper Cup, Puka Nikua only played one snap each in the fourth quarter, and Atwell did not play at all in the fourth quarter. So 
part of this decline in playing time was the blowout win that they had, but part of it was just by design what they clearly had planned coming into the game that they were going to rotate at well out more often for Demarcus Robinson. Uh, why they did that, I don't really know. And if this motivated Atwell to have the kind of game that he did, that's certainly possible. But it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. It's just not a situation where I am necessarily trusting Atwell or running to pick him up off the waiver wire after he led the team in receiving yards. Uh, it is worth noting both Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua dealing with injuries this past week. So neither of them had great games. That was largely the running back and uh, even Tyler Higby caught two touchdowns after not catching any touchdowns so far this year, but still was under 30 receiving yards. So I know he might look like a good tight end option this week, but I don't think I am any more high on him after this game than I was coming into the game. So um Probably not a situation that I'm trusting for either Atwell or Higby going forward unless we really start seeing them produce over these next few weeks. Yeah, really kind of a bummer with Atwell because we saw him be productive when Cooper Cup was out at the start of the year. And like you said, the Rams consistently around that 90% or or, or, or more range of, of 11 personnel. So um, there, there would be room for a third wide receiver there. But yeah, rotating him in and out and then just looking at the chart here. I mean, that's a big drop off in, in playing time, even with the garbage time um, being a factor in this one. It's still a bit of a concern to, to trust Tutu Atwell going forward. So um. All right, we are, well, we're talking about wide receivers. So, you know, what that means, basically, play the jingle. It's the weekly Patriots wide receiver update. Um, no, one day we'll have a jingle for New England and, and Kansas City that we can plug in there. That's the dream. But until then, it's just me leading us in. But, Nate, what did uh, Bill and company give us this week for those who maybe chose not to watch this game and one that didn't appear very often on Red Zone either? Oh, uh, yeah, with so many teams that have their two clear top wide receivers and a clear third wide receiver. So there's not really much to talk about from one week to another, but the Patriots constantly changing what they're doing. Uh, first off, we had Devonte Parker back after missing the last two games with the concussion. So it was good to see him back uh, very consistently playing in 11 personnel. And then it was a big rotation of players in 12 personnel. So good to see him back and at a fairly big amount of playing time um, prior to his concussion. He was rotating a bit with, uh, Jalen Rager, but uh, since then, Rager's kind of fallen down the depth chart, so uh, Rager was inactive for this game. Um, along with that, we saw Demario Douglas and Juju Smith-Schuster. They were kind of the other players in 11 personnel, and then Tyquan Thornton, who hasn't seen a ton of playing time so far this season. Uh, he was kind of the backup wide receiver in general, rotating with all three of those guys a bit in 12 personnel. But then we saw Demario Douglas uh, suffer head injury on a punt return late in this game. Uh, was ruled out, so wouldn't be surprised if we saw Douglas miss a game going forward, which is disappointing considering he had another game with six receptions on nine targets. So he's been playing well on offense. Uh, once he was out of the game, it was uh, Taquan Thornton completely taking over for uh, in 11 personnel. And it was the fourth quarter. They were uh, staying in 11 personnel for the entire quarter, so didn't really see a rotation of guys in 12 personnel or see who was going to see more offensive snaps in that situation. But probably a situation to avoid, but I still think there's a chance that once Douglas is back from his head injury, which hopefully he only misses one week, that I think Douglas can still be productive in this offense, regardless of the quarterback. He's been getting targets from both players, so... Still excited to see Douglas both this year, and even if it's not much this year, I think he can be a great player in this Patriots offense in the future as well. 
yeah, he's he's the he's like the lone one to to kind of trust there, right? Like you said, the playing time and and the the involvement in the offense, the targets, the receptions, they've all been there for him. Everybody else, though, it's just been kind of like a dreadful mess um, to to try to sort through all season long. And then we still don't know what they're doing at quarterback. It feels like Mac Jones has been benched. I, I don't even know how many times at this point. Um, but Bailey Zappi really hasn't shown a ton of signs of life either, or otherwise I'm sure they'd be fine going to Zappi, but it, both guys have struggled this year. So yeah, Demario Douglas, kind of the lone guy, I think worth trusting there um, as well. I'm with you. So if he's out, I, I don't know that I could trust anybody <laughs> um, for, for next week, but um, let's head to a team who is also rolling out a number of wide receivers on, and not a lot of, that maybe people have heard of and more due to necessity of the, as the saints are still dealing with, all kinds of injuries uh, at the position, Nate. Coming into this game, they were already without Michael Thomas, who landed on IR last week, and now have potentially lost more at the position. Uh, yeah, so like you said, Thomas uh, injured his knee. It was two weeks ago at this point since they had their bye week last week. And what we had seen immediately after Thomas's injury is E.T. Perry just kind of completely took over Thomas's role. was a little disappointing considering we have been a fan of Rashid Shahid and how well he's played over his career and the big plays he made, but he did see an increase in targets in that game. And to start this game, we did see Shahid take it increase in offensive snaps rather than A.T. Perry. So we've seen this kind of thing before where a team will replace one player with another when it's in the middle of the game because it's kind of hard to adjust multiple people's roles within a game. So it's easier to just have one person replace the other. But at, with the bye week, they had time to get Shahid ready to have a larger role in the offense. But that only lasted for a couple of drives. He played nine of the 11 possible snaps over the first two drives compared to five by Perry. So that was good to see. But then Shahid was taken to the medical tent at one point in the first quarter, um, was dealing with injuries again in the second quarter and didn't return to the game. That wasn't good to see. And then Chris Olave was having one of the best games of his career, over 100 receiving yards fairly early in this game. But then he was dealing, or he dealt with a concussion early in the third quarter, and he did not return to the game. So uh, A.T. Perry, who was the third wide receiver coming into the game, ended up being the top wide receiver in terms of offensive snaps uh, during this game. Uh, Lynn Bowden, who's kind of jumped around the league a little bit, has fairly consistently been the fourth or fifth wide receiver for the Saints all season long. Um, he saw a very significant increase in snaps with these injuries. And then Keith Kirkwood, who had started the season as the fourth wide receiver, uh, fell down the depth chart once A.T. Perry was ready to see more playing time. Uh, Kirkwood was eventually cut from the team, brought back to the practice squad, and then with the injuries, brought back to the active roster. So Kirkwood became the third wide receiver for the team over the rest of the game. But a lot of this just meant the targets were going elsewhere. A lot more targets to tight ends. Juwan Johnson seeing one of his better games of the season, even though he also missed time in the game but was able to come back. Uh, more targets for Taysom Hill and more targets for Alvin Kamara. So uh, especially if we see at least two, if not all three of these wide receivers miss time over the next week or two, I could see that being a big thing for Alvin Kamara's target share, a big thing for Jawan Johnson and Taysom Hill as well. So uh, the Saints, another one of those teams like the Falcons, have a very nice schedule going forward. Uh, they play Detroit next, so that's their one team that they face with a winning record, but Detroit's also a lot, a plenty of passing production in the past. So uh, it's possible that 
uh, Kamara could have a huge game. Taysom Hill, probably someone to put back in starting lineups, unless we see Olave back right away and uh, Rashid Shahid back right away. Nice. Good stuff. Um, okay. On to a team who seemingly has no shortage of wide receivers um, that can put up big numbers. The Houston Texans, uh, led by Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Once again, no Noah Brown in this game, who has also been hot as of late, but they still have Robert Woods in there. Nate, anything on Robert Woods from this game? Yeah, the one thing to note is we've seen Woods playing time slowly but steadily decrease over his time in Houston. And like you said, Noah Brown's been playing well recently, but we have continued the streak of them only having three of their top four wide receivers healthy. That has been true for every game since week two. And that was week one where before Tank Dell really had his breakout. So we really haven't seen what they're going to do when all the wide receivers are healthy. But I think this game gave us a pretty decent indication that Robert Woods is going to fall to fourth on the depth chart once Noah Brown is healthy again. Uh, he caught two passes for 40 yards, which was fine, but he was getting rotated out, uh, particularly an 11 personnel for John Mechie more than he had been in past games. So the fact that they are fine rotating Woods out even more and he gets closer and closer to 50% of offensive snaps without Noah Brown in the lineup, I would not be surprised if Woods falls to fourth on the depth chart under 50% of offensive snaps uh, once Noah Brown is back. I think Woods is capable of being the primary backup to all three of those wide receivers. So I think Woods would still see a pretty significant amount of playing time, but I think that makes it a bit safer to rely on Tank Dell and Nico Collins and Noah Brown over the course of the rest of the season. So uh, obviously we need Noah Brown to be healthy again for all of this to happen. And the fact that he missed another game is a little concerning, but hopefully we are able to see Brown back again at some point this season and see how the Texans offense will look with all of their wide receivers finally healthy. Yeah, definitely felt like uh, one of those situations where they're kind of keeping the seat warm there for for Noah Brown to return. And and yeah, unfortunate for for Robert Woods, you know, getting getting up there in, in age as well. So I guess trying to keep him fresh, not to have to play, you know, every single down as well. Um, but like you said, he still had two catches for 40 yards, so it can still be effective with his playing time. But uh, concerning that the playing time is at least decreasing here going forward. Um all right, let's stay in Houston as we wrap up with some tight end updates. And unfortunately, we have to start with Dalton Schultz, who has just one catch for two yards. Pretty big drop off uh, from a player who has been relatively consistent fantasy option for us these past couple of months since um, he's been more involved in the offense, but not this week. So, Nate, anything telling here from Schultz's usage that we should be aware of? Uh, yeah, this was another one where I was really trying to find any piece of information I could of what was going on with him because he didn't play from 922 in the fourth quarter on to the rest of the game. But looking at the snaps from earlier in the game, it looked pretty alarming as well that he wasn't seeing as much time as usual. Um, he was someone that throughout the season, throughout the preseason, he's been very consistently on the field whenever it's 11 personnel uh, on the field at least 80% of the time when 11 personnel is what they're using, but it's been other personnel use uh, personnel situations where Schultz might not be on the field, but that had changed in the past couple weeks because Tegan Quitoriano, who's been their primary run blocking tight end, uh, he's on injured reserve right now. So that opened up the opportunity for Schultz to see more playing time. 
in 12 personnel and 21 personnel uh, personnel groupings that they're often using near the goal line, which helps Schultz's opportunity to score touchdowns. So that's been huge for him in recent weeks. And then uh, Brevin Jordan, who's been the primary backup receiving tight end, he has also missed some time recently. So we had seen Schultz uh, play upwards of over 80% of offensive snaps. He's been producing more for fantasy than what we've seen at early points in the season. So that all had been good. But in this game, we saw more uh, Eric Saubert um, in run-blocking situations, he kind of took over as the primary tight end in 21 personnel. But then we also saw Brevin Jordan start to play more in 11 personnel. Uh, this was happening both early in the game and then significantly late in the game. Uh, Brevin Jordan took 16 of 20 snaps in the fourth quarter, and Schultz was playing a bit early in the game, but just not as much in 11 personnel. And it's also worth noting, looking at their PFF grade prior to this week, uh, Jordan's PFF receiving grade has been 74.3 compared to 71.7 by Schultz. Um, it's worth noting Jordan's been on a much smaller sample size, so it, you have to take those differences with a grain of salt. But Jordan's generally graded well throughout his career, even though his playing time has kind of varied from season to season. But I think it's possible we see either more of a split in snaps for the tight ends, or they could just be trying to keep Schultz healthy for the playoffs, considering how much he's played recently, assuming the Texans make the playoffs. But It'll be interesting to see, but it's going to be hard for me to want to put Schultz in fantasy starting lineups without having more information for why he didn't play as much in this game and if we should expect that going forward. Yeah, I, I think maybe part of the problem is uh, I traded for him right at our fantasy trade deadline because um, I'd lost Dallas Goddard, and since then he's had three catches. He did get a touchdown, but yeah, this is naturally the the kind of decline that I can expect um, to put a curse on players. So I apologize to everybody. Um, definitely concerning uh, playing time there for Dalton Schultz. Uh, all right, la lastly, let's close it out uh, with the Falcons tight ends. And Nate, um, I see you have Jonu Smith's declining role as the headline here. So that's got to mean we got a great game from Kyle Pitts. Uh, oh, no, wait, just two catches for 22 yards naturally. Okay, um, well, is there anything positive we can take from this for, for Kyle Pitts at least going forward? Really, this mostly became a four-man rotation at tight end. We've seen Smith's uh, role decline in recent weeks, but it's been a lot of Michael Pruitt, who was taking more playing time the previous two games. And then this one, it was Parker Hesse, who uh, Hesse was their primary run-blocking tight end last year. He had seemed to have fallen down the depth chart in the preseason. He was playing a lot with the backups and started the season on the practice squad. Uh, Hesse was elevated for week one, but not for the couple games after that. And then Hesse was dealing with an injury, was on the practice squad injured list for a number of weeks. But then Hesse was caught up to the active roster again for this game. So second time all season he's been on the roster. Uh, he cut into both uh, Michael Pruitt as well as Johnny Smith's playing time. So Smith saw his playing time drop again. Um, he was just uh, two games away from having 100 receiving yards, but uh, didn't see a target in this game, only caught, I believe, one pass in their last game. So someone who was heavily involved in the passing game, really not as involved. So it seems like part of it is them kind of going back to what they were doing last year that worked for them. Uh, like we were saying with Patterson, Patterson was getting more involved. And we had Hesse 
involved as a run blocker. So um, as we mentioned, the Falcons have a very easy schedule for the rest of the season. So we could see Hesse continue to be heavily involved as a run blocker going forward, taking time away from both Pitts and Johnny Smith. So Smith was someone that I was hoping that I'd be writing up as a waiver wire target because the Falcons schedule is so favorable and it includes a number of teams who have allowed a ton of fantasy points to tight end. So if there is anything positive to say about Pitts is that the opponents coming up should be fairly favorable for Pitts, but Pitts, even an 11 personnel, the uh, grouping that you would expect Pitts to be in all the time. They use plenty of 11 personnel still as running situations and have run blocking tight ends in at times in 11 personnel. So still probably not relying on Pitts either, even though it's a fairly nice schedule. But potentially this week when there's six teams on bye weeks, you might have to with a number of the typical fantasy starters being on bye weeks. So maybe you have to start Pitts, but it's not looking great for the Falcons tight ends. But then... Going back to the running backs, it could be helping the running backs having more run blocking tight ends on the field with all of them playing so well this past week. So this all could be good news for Bijan Robinson and even Tyler Algier, even if it's not good news for the tight ends. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the the optimistic um, approach there with that, at least for the running backs. But yeah, uh, of course, it, it doesn't uh, bode well for for Kyle Pitts either. It was naturally here. We can't have uh, too many fantasy relevant options here in Atlanta, obviously. So John o. Smith had to go um, for uh, in the eyes of Arthur Smith. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, I it's it's such a frustrating situation. I I, I don't want to. Um, think too much about it or else my head might explode but nate that is going to wrap up our weekly recap here uh thank you very much for for putting all that together um and again for for everybody listening thank you as well and if there was something that you had hoped that we would cover from yesterday's games or thursday's or friday's games uh and that we didn't talk about you can definitely find it over on pff.com in nate's game by game write-up so go check those out now um and nate what else would you have up on pff.com for the folks this week uh, there actually is one more thing that I think we should cover today, and that's Frank Reich getting fired. Uh, we were talking about something completely different at the start before we got on the show, so I didn't think of talking about him. But this morning, there was the breaking news that he was fired as the Carolina Panthers head coach. I think my initial thoughts are, one, first to terrible whenever anyone gets fired and especially in his first year with the team. That's always rough because it does take time for players to develop and uh, things to develop and with so many moving parts in Carolina it wasn't surprising that things were off to a bit of a slow start especially when you just kind of piece together a bunch of veteran players who should probably be role players for a team but all were kind of required to be every down players for Carolina so it seemed like this was supposed to be a rebuilding year and now it seems like they're probably going to have to rebuild again next year with a new head coach so Kind of sad to see from that perspective, but just wanted to see if you had any takes on it. Yeah, I guess just like surprising, right? Like, I, I mean, I know the team is one in 10, but like you said, it is, it's a rebuilding team. I don't know really what the expectation was for Frank Reich in, in that first year with Carolina, considering the personnel that they had. Like, I know you got Bryce Young in there, but like you said, the, the rest of the pieces on offense and defense, really, I mean, Brian Burns, probably the only real true star on the defensive side of the ball. And then on offense, you know, Adam Thielen has been solid for, for a lot of the year, but you could kind of see that kind of coming 
dwindling down a little bit here in, in, in the latter stages of the season. So as an older receiver, there's, I don't know that there's much you can expect there. So I guess the owner may be a little bit frustrated with the, with the results here with the one win team, but yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine what their expectations were for this team, I guess, heading into the season. So uh, a bummer for Frank Reich for sure, but uh, yeah, hopefully he lands on his feet. Cause I, I don't mind Frank Reich as a coach. I, I just don't know what the, the expectations were for him um, considering the, the, the team this year. Yeah. And to add a fantasy spin, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, someone that I consider talking about in the top 10 before knowing about the firing, he, his playing time kind of bounced back up compared to what it was last week when it got closer to a 50-50 split. I wouldn't be surprised if we see even more of Hubbard going forward, just since Miles Sanders was kind of a Frank Reich guy. And I also wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more of a rotation at wide receiver. Uh, Terrace Marshall's been a healthy and active the past two weeks, even though there's been injuries at wide receiver. Uh, what Mike Strachan, or however he wanted us to pronounce his name, uh, he has been on the practice squad after having that one good game and wasn't elevated for this game. Wouldn't be surprised to see him on the active roster. So might be a little less trusting of the Panthers wide receivers going forward, even though Jonathan Mingo is coming off his best game of the season. Maybe we do end up seeing more of, we can't see more playing time out of Mingo because he's been playing over 90% of snaps every single game, but maybe this is going to be a bouncing point for Mingo to start playing even better. So I included Mingo in the waiver wire article before knowing this uh, specifically because we have six teams on bye weeks and they have a good matchup this upcoming week. So maybe we see some good stuff out of Carolina specifically this upcoming week. Nice. Yeah, makes sense. And then I guess uh, who is taking over as head coach there? I might have missed that. Was it there one of the special teams coaches, I think? I have not seen who is taking over yet. Yeah, I know it, it wasn't initially announced um, at the start of the season or not. Start Chris, of the Chris season, Tabor not the start of the podcast looks like Chris Tabor, maybe. Um, so I think that was their special teams. Yeah. So special teams coordinator Chris Tabor is the interim uh, head coach here. So um, Jim Caldwell moves to special advisor working with the offense, according to Ian Rappaport. So, yeah, interesting stuff there. We'll see uh, how things look for, for Carolina going forward. But, yeah, bummer for Frank Reich, obviously. But like you said, maybe potential for, for Chuba Hubbard, like you said, because he's played well. Um, and Miles Sanders obviously being uh, more of a Frank Reich guy. But, um, yeah, it's a bummer for Carolina, obviously, a 1-10 team. The expectations weren't high coming into the season. But... Uh, it's unfortunate when these rebuilding teams don't really get a chance uh, with with one steady head coach here, at least for some consistency more than one year. Um, all right, Nate. Uh, anything else up on PFF.com uh, this week for for people looking for more fantasy help um, heading into the crunch time here of the play of the fantasy season? Oh uh, yeah, like I was, uh, like usual, the recap is up, and uh, as you've seen throughout this top 10, it was a crazy week, and there are plenty of things that I was not able to cram into this top 10. Um, the Arizona running back usage was interesting as well, so that's something that if you want to dig into. So the recap's the big thing. Um, also have the waiver wire article, which we will be covering tomorrow, especially with this being probably one of the bigger weeks for waiver wires over the rest of the season with six teams on bye week next week, so a lot of tight ends and quarterbacks especially that are on bye weeks um we'll be doing the rest of the season rankings write that later today so that'll be up tomorrow uh we'll have the normal uh recap for monday night football up immediately after the game uh the 
starts it will be on Thursday, and then rankings, as usual, will be up on the website sometime on Tuesday and then in article form on Wednesday. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, and if you are watching on the YouTube, please don't forget to like and subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel. We always appreciate that very much. Um, and again, a massive thank you to the best team in the multiverse, the PFF Data Collection team, for absolutely crushing another week of football. They wrapped up the CFL season uh, recently. The college football season is kind of winding down, but uh, the data never stops, thanks, thanks to these fine folks. So shout out to them. Appreciate you guys and gals. And uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow, like Nate said, covering uh, top waiver wire targets heading into week 13 so good luck closing out your matchups this week with monday night football and until next time peace out